Thank you so much for allowing me to be here. <laughs> hey, good morning. Good morning. You forgot who I am. <laughs> uh, I, I love this church. I love this city. I love your weather. I really do. I really do. I, I heard I missed the storm. I wanted to change flight plans. Uh, we, we got into the, the U.S. on Sunday, landed in Dallas, and we got stuck there for three days. It was wild. <laughs> we, yeah, I, I don't. So we, the plan was we, we were just going to fly into Dallas. From Dallas, we then drive up. We want to see a bit of the country. We have friends in Dallas. wanted to hang out there a bit. And uh, then we had ice. And we had a lot of ice. We, we'd, go, we'd go and test the roads out. And uh, we've got a phenomenal vehicle that we're driving. It's just got so much power and so much torque. So you... When you find a patch of ice, you have to accelerate. And there's no one else on the roads because no one's dumb enough to be out on the roads then. And we're sliding all over the place. And it's just my, you know, my friend and I, my friend Ryan. Will you just stand up to his Ryan? He's from South Africa as well. Um, and so we're enjoying a bit of the ice. But we couldn't travel, so we were delayed in getting here. But on Wednesday, we went and we braved the cold. And we, we went outside and we realized that the, the ice was starting to get crushed up. And it was becoming slushy. Uh, it doesn't taste nice. The slushy in stores taste way better. You, you do slush puppy or slushy? What? Slushy. That's really what it felt like. And so we decided we'll brave it. We get in the car. We need to get to Springfield. We want to be with the day spring people. We are going to drive no matter what. And no matter what it was. And we, we, got, on the, we got on the highway. And what we realized really soon, as long as you stayed in the middle lane... Everything's fine, because everyone's using that lane, and it had two tracks, and if you stayed on those two tracks, Jesus is king. <laughs> then there was, the, there was the left lane, where people that hated you drove. They hated themselves, they hated life, and they were wanting to die. And they would be, and there'd normally be trucks that were too big for the lane anyway, and they'd come thundering past us and spray the slash all over us, and we'd just sit there. Ever so often, I'd veer off these two clear tracks and hit a bit of the slushy. When that happens, every muscle in your body flexes. Every muscle flexes. You just. And then my wife says to me, D Stop that. It wasn't planned. <laughs> and then I'd be chatting, and, and Heidi decided, I'm not sitting in front of you. This is. Chaos in the front, way dangerous, sat in the back. Ryan's in front with me. And while I chat to him, we drift ever so slightly to the right, which is slushy heaven. Mounds of the stuff. And, and we, you know, it's just a bit of a slow. I didn't care what speed we did. I just wanted to live. I didn't, I didn't. Then it show us the speed limit. 75. For me, that was the target. If we could get up to that, we'd be winning. It took us just short of eight hours to get here. I should have done it in less than six. The goal was just to survive, and, and we did. There's evidence of it. I'm, I'm not terrified of us. I'm an ice road trucker now. I, I can do that. I'll apply for a job if I need to. In South Africa, it's warm, but we learn how to avoid things. We have potholes and politicians that we have to dodge. So... Gives us some experience. But it's a pleasure to be here. We launched the series this morning. You're thinking, why has he spoken so extensively about getting here? You weren't there. You didn't survive that. And you're going, ah, oh, I'm used to driving an ice. Well done. Come to my country one day. <laughs> but we launched the series this morning. Living in real freedom. And I was, I was Pondering the statement just during worship, and I was watching just worship, and I was enjoying. I mean, the presence of God is so tangible here this morning. And I know I have a sense He wants to heal people. I always have a sense that He wants to heal because that's what He does. 
But I have a real heightened sense that he wants to do something extraordinary this morning. And I started making notes on my phone of what I, I feel. I have prepped a sermon. But I stood there thinking, I'm free to worship and sing out of tune. I get to. No one's going to judge me. I didn't ask you to listen to me. I'm not worshiping you. I'm not singing to you in the first place. I can sing what I want. Some of you take that seriously. I enjoy that. I'm no longer captive. It says, with the Spirit of the Lord, there's freedom. He came to set the captives free. I'm no longer a captive. I'm not a captive to my thoughts, to my ideas, my ideologies, my philosophies. I'm free. I love the fact that I'm free to set others free because he's given me the keys to the kingdom. I love the fact that I'm free from poverty. Are you? Okay. I'm free to walk in authority. I'm free to walk in full authority. I don't always know how to, but I'm free to. I was free to be on the motorway. I just didn't know how to drive on the motorway. I'm free to speak in tongues. What a privilege. It's not a gift for the select few or the chosen frozen. It's absolute freedom that I get to speak, pray, worship, and sing in tongues. I'm free to experience full healing. Complete, without limitations, healing. I'm free to have access to the Holy of Holies. It says in Hebrews that we have access through his body, we have access through his flesh. So literally as his flesh is being torn apart, as he hangs on the cross, as his body is the veil being torn apart, we're having access into the Holy of Holies. Access to Jesus is access into Jesus. I'm free to experience that. I have no doubt that over the next four weeks, as the other folk preach, they're going to cover those areas. I'm not. I want to chat this morning about what does it look like that once we understand that we have freedom, how do we walk in this freedom? How, what is the blueprint? What is the, how do we get to live in this freedom? I, let's pray. Let's pray. Trust Jesus in this. I've got to start there. Jesus, help me. Help them. Help those online to experience the fullness of your presence as they're joining us digitally. Lord, I pray that in this moment we will not just have a sense that you're here. We'll feel you. We'll hear you. You'll speak to us. I pray that everything that I've prepared that is from the throne room of heaven may it land, have traction, and impact our lives. And everything of the Derekisms will just fall on deaf ears. But I pray, King Jesus, that this morning will be not just a moment with you, but just a greater encounter with who you are in every single area, every single way. Jesus, come and have your way in us, amongst us. Just, Lord, do your thing, Jesus. Oh, amen. Amen. I believe freedom has the potential to create tension. I believe, see, I believe freedom is the product of faith. I have faith in Christ Jesus, therefore I have freedom in Christ Jesus. So freedom is the product of faith. The more faith you have, the more freedom you're going to get to experience. But I love what Paul does, and he, he writes this. So, Well, let's first get to Matthew. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus addresses this. He says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, all these things will be added to you. All these things. So you have this... I'm going to do everything that you need. I'm going to provide everything you could possibly want. Every, I'm going to take care of that. But seek first the kingdom, which means we're on a journey. Because when you seek, it means we're looking for something. We're on a journey. We're on a path to something. We're looking. We're pursuing. But we have freedom to do this. I have freedom to seek the kingdom of God. Paul writes this. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So I've never been a slave in the, in the natural sense, the spiritual sense, absolutely. And perhaps in the natural sense I have with addictions and that. But I've, those are my choices that I'd made and I got stuck in that. But Paul writes this, he says, For freedom Christ has set us free. So it's for the sake of freedom that we get to enjoy this. Then he writes in Romans, he writes this, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not, so this is where it gets good, 
For I do not understand my own actions. For I do, I do not do what I want. But I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I want, I agree with the law, and it's good. But so now, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have desire to, the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. You have this tension. Paul writes these two letters around the same time. You've got this letter to the church in Galatia. You've got the letter to the church in Rome. It's like, uh, you're free for freedom's sake. You're absolutely free. But what I want to do, I don't do. And what I'm supposed to do, I don't get to do. I'm absolutely free, but I'm supposed to get stuff done. I'm absolutely free, but there's a way that I should be walking. I'm absolutely free as a Christian, as a child of God. I can do what I want. But the things I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do and shouldn't do, I keep doing. And it's this tension, I believe, that in this freedom that you can do whatever you want. Go for it. My dad always said to me, my boy, my dad was a lead elder and he was a cop. And he'd say to me, do whatever you want. Whatever you want, do it. Go for it. Do it to the best of your ability. As long as you're willing to accept the consequences. Do it. He says, and when the consequences come, you take them like a man. I did whatever I wanted. I just never wanted the consequences. Paul, Paul's right. Friends, it's this tension that we have in our lives. I want to do the right stuff, but the stuff that I want to do, I keep on doing. But I'm free in Christ Jesus, so how do I live? It's the two tracks that I spoke about as we drove on our way to Springfield. I'm sitting on this highway in my life, and it's covered in slushy, and I've got two tracks. It's what I want to do, what I don't want to do. I already want to do these things, Jesus, but I keep doing the wrong stuff. I don't want to do these things, but Lord Jesus, I, I love you. Do you understand the tension? It's sitting on this road, and you've got the chaos on the left, chaos on the right, and God's saying to you, you have the absolute freedom. On that highway, I had the freedom. I could do the speed I wanted. I, I couldn't get to 75. I wanted to. I couldn't. I could have gone into the left lane. I could have gone into the right lane. I can do what I want. But just slightly off in the slushy, I've got chaos. Just slightly to the right, I've got mess, and I'm, I'm going to end up in the ditch. Have our Christian lives gotten to the point where we're kind of playing on the left just a little bit too much, and we're veering off to the right just a little bit easily? I'm not speaking about the law. I'm covered in tattoos. People say, when I'm, if I don't have a shirt on, it looks like I've been hit with a wet comic book. I'm not talking about the law. I'm not bringing us under the law. If I, if I could have organized a bacon sandwich, I would have had a bacon sandwich on this pulpit as I was preaching this morning. We're not under the law. But there's something that God gives us a blueprint as the Israelites exit Egypt. You see, God gives Abraham, let me track it back, God, God gives Abraham this promise. I'm going to give you land, I'm going to give you legacy, and I'm going to bless everything that you do. And the people of Israel, his descendants, end up in Egypt as slaves. And God gets them out there. So they're free. They're free. They are out of Egypt. It's, they're out. They're, they're done. It represents being born again. They go through the Red Sea. It represents baptism. It's all, this, all these illustrations. Now they're free. They're out. And then God gives them something of a blueprint. He says, I'm going to give you ten commandments. I'm not preaching the law, friends. I have them all. I'm talking about has God given us something of a blueprint within the word? And I love the fact, Nate, talking about Leviticus, Jesus setting us free, that's it. We're free from the law. But there's something of a blueprint that he's given us. He says, as you set free, I'm giving you ten commandments. You're not bound by the ten commandments. But there's something of a blueprint within these ten commandments that allow us to avoid the slushy. You can go and play there. I, I, I was watching some folk as you we were driving. They would come in. On the on-ramp, and they would just start sliding. I would back off. I don't want any part of what they're doing. You do your thing, you do donuts, you do twirlies, you do whatever you want to get up to. I'm having none of that. Once they found their bearings, we drove, and when you pass them, you look at them, their eyes are this big. They are pale. You go, I know. I want to avoid that stuff in my life. I'm not talking about blatant sin. Stop sinning. 
But we get what happens is we get stuck in a bit of slushy and it takes us into the barrier. We get stuck in a bit of slushy this side and it takes us off the road. What is the slushy in your life that you're playing with that's going to eventually take you way off track? Getting you into a ditch and not allowing you to pursue and walk pursuing the kingdom of God. This tension. I want to do and I don't want to do. I have a video. Can we please run the video? This for me is phenomenal theology. If I can just draw your attention to the screen. That's what we do. That's what we do. Our sermon's done. I'll fill in a bit of pieces just that you've got some context. How do we live free? And live free comfortably. So I want to preach this morning. My title for the sermon is Staying Out of the Slushy. That's going to be our, our handle for the morning. How do I live staying out the slushy? I'm going to look at the Ten Commandments. I'm not speaking. This is not theology of the Ten Commandments. This is not breaking down the Ten Commandments. This is using it as a framework. Do you understand beyond my accent and everything that I am? We are not teaching on the law. I'm not telling you bound by the law. I'm using it as a framework. All God's children who understand exactly what DC said says? And the rest of you? Amen. Thank you. I've changed the order a bit because the first one I want to do right at the end. I'm going to use the first one is you shall not make idols. How are we living our lives? Have we allowed idols to creep into our life? Things that have just taken our focus. Man-made things that take our attention and our focus. How many of those things are in our life that allows us just to veer off course ever so slightly? I'm, I'm not, friends, I'm not talking about sin. The sin preach, separate. This is the slushy preach. It's how we live so that we don't get into the slippery mess that takes us off track. How we live a life that we don't veer off. Making little idols. I love Netflix. Netflix and chill, one of my hobbies. It's fantastic. But I often have to look at it and go, how much time am I wasting on this that I could be doing something better? I'm not going, well, brother, get out of that and go read the word. Of course I'm going to say that as well. I'm saying doing something that's productive and beneficial with my family, doing something with friends, as opposed to having my life. When you start living a life where it's purely about entertainment, your entertainment, and I'm being satisfied and I'm being gratified, you're off track, you're in some slippery slushy there, because it goes, gets worse and worse and eventually you become a hermit. just want to encourage those joining us online, if you're able to come to church, it'd be great to see you. Person's just clicking now, switching off this channel and going to go watch Netflix, thinking I'm not going to watch that bald guy shout at me any longer. <laughs> what idols have we got in our lives? What's the new posture of worship? Not a bad thing. Not sin. Well, it depends what you're doing with it. Not sin. Has it become an idol? Are we sitting with our families and we're busy with this stuff as opposed to sitting with our families and being with our families? Are we sitting with people at the dinner table? And I've had a whole lot of meetings this week and I sit with people and as they're speaking, I'm, I'm making notes because I, I want to remember everyone's lives and their stories. I want to remember what they're getting up to. So I sit and I take notes on my phone. I've got to put it on airplane mode. I also get a whole lot of notifications. One notification, I go check Facebook. Facebook takes me to Instagram. Instagram takes me. It's just, it's this never-ending warren of getting lost in things. It's becoming a little idle and I have to have those times like I'm just going to set it aside. And it can, be, it can be hobbies. It can be stuff that you're doing. That's not bad. It's not sin. 
It's just man-made things that are distracting me from actually serving. Serving my friend. I'm amazed at this church, and I'm not trying to butter you up. I'm just amazed at how you guys love each other. The way you care for each other, the way you reference each other. And if you're new here and you don't do that, don't change churches, change how you do things. The way this church loves, is it's extraordinary. The way you make time for each other, the, the, the effort you put in. I don't think this is a chronic problem, but we must watch that we don't get stuck in the slushy of satisfying our entertainment needs, of satisfying things that are just way. I love hobbies. If you have a hobby, I love guns, I love hunting, I love all that stuff. I must make sure that that never becomes an idol. And it's easy. It's easy to veer off slightly. When I was on the road and I started chatting to Ryan, that's not me, that's the car doing that. And I realized, actually, my focus cannot be on him. It needs to be on my journey. If you have friends, and, and he'd say to me, watch the road. We need to make sure that we have friends in our lives that remind us to watch the road. We, we need to make sure that when we start to veer off, people can call you on it and say, my best friend, he'll call me and say, just watch the road. I don't go, well, you've offended me. How can you call me out on the way I drive? I've been driving for 30 years and now, no. Thank you so much. You saved us. Don't have idols. Next one. Shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. I'm not talking about blasphemy. Have we veered off into the slushy where we no longer understand the power of the name of Jesus? Where we bring every thought, every concept, everything that will want to distract us from the name of Jesus, being the authority in our lives, the rulership in our lives, anything that taking that captive, bringing it under the name of Jesus, sickness, disease, depression, broken relationships, broken marriages. When we stop doing that, we're taking the name, the glorious name of Jesus Christ, we're taking it in vain. If I have a headache, I love having a headache pull. It works. If I have a headache every day, I love taking that problem to Jesus. You with me? I'm all for medicine. But the day that becomes my primary focus, there's something I'm just... I'm all for medicine. If, if you... I'm, I'm not speaking against chemo and whatever stuff your doctors advise. I'm not speaking against it at all. When, when Timothy had stomach problems, Paul says to him, my son, I, I suggest you have a bit of wine for your stomach. He's endorsing a bit of medication to settle his stomach. He's not endorsing alcoholism. He's endorsing medicine. I'm not speaking against medicine. I'm saying, do we ever get to a place where our primary response to anything is something other than a sub? Subject that to the name of Jesus. I subject the argument I'm having. I bring that, the argument I'm having with my, never with my wife, but with somebody else, with my boss, with my I will bring that under the name of Jesus, the authority, the power. I recognize that it will bow to the name of Jesus. And while I'm bringing it, I'm bringing myself under the name of Jesus. I submit to him. I give my all to him. Everything in my life will bow to the name of Jesus. Everything. When we stop doing that, we find, we'll very quickly find ourselves that everything else is a solution. I grew up in a household. I mean, I grew up, I mean, I was a disaster when I was in my teens. And, but I, I'd grown up as in a fantastic home where if something broke, my dad prayed for it. It's ridiculous. It worked. My dad never bought an appliance. Because he's, you know, his budget determined his faith as well. Now there's no money, so now we're going to pray for the refrigerator to be healed. I have one of his deep freezers that they bought before I was born running in my house. I remember it breaking, my dad praying for it. This thing runs. It's the best, it's the best appliance we have. I'm selling in South Africa for various reasons. I no longer need appliances in South Africa for various reasons. I remember my dad took that attitude. Everything would be brought under the name of Jesus. And I'm not saying if you have a headache, you go and grab we have, you know, an aspirin. We need surgery, go for surgery. But can I call us out on the fact that we need to bring it under the name of Jesus as our primary response? Not, not, not being pious, going... 
as something happens. So we're trusting for certain paperwork because we're going to be moving soon and I don't know what's going on there. Um, and we're trusting for paperwork. I start thinking of this paperwork. I start thinking, I need, I need to get hold of my attorney. I need to... I bring that under the name of Jesus Christ, who is the author and perfecter, not only of my faith, but of my destiny. And it will be subject to his plans and purposes. Do you have any idea how much peace that brings? I'm on track. By the way, when I was driving, I had no idea where I was going. I just followed the road, followed the GPS. It's fantastic. It's kind of like my life. I don't always know where I'm going, but I've got the word of God. I follow that. I hear the Holy Spirit, and I keep going. But I have these, uh, and this morning it's these warnings to stay out of the slushy. Next one, remember the Sabbath. I'm not preaching, Lord. Don't go, well, I'm going to shut my office. I'm not going to work. I'm not going to walk to church. I'll just levitate there, and then I'm not going to do anything. I'm not, going to I'm not talking about that. What I'm calling you on is, are you ever resting? Busyness is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Not being able to manage your diary is not a gift. Do you rest? Do you not? I rest in Jesus. Absolutely, Jesus is our Sabbath. My son-in-law is a long-distance runner. Super fit, just runs as though someone's chasing him. It's it's, it's incredible. And he does really well. And, And he stops running. And he doesn't look particularly tired. He's got phenomenal lung capacity. When he stops running, I'll say, are you tired? He goes, no, but I need to rest because I'm pacing myself because I want to keep doing this every day. Are you resting? I'm not going to make this religious. I'm not going to make... Do you rest? When you don't rest, your family gets secondhand quality time with you. Your children are getting secondhand, thirdhand Hand-me-down time. Don't give your kids hand-me-down time. Give them first, primary, best time, your best energy. If you're tired, don't quit. Too many people quit on their jobs, on their marriages, and their families because they're tired. Jesus calls us into a place of rest. God did not need to rest on the seventh day. Let's be honest. He didn't get to think, that was exhausting. Spoke for six days. (laughs) Mouth is tired. He does that to show us I need it just so that I can show you that you need it. And, and there are seasons and there are times where, where you have to work 70 hours a week, 80 hours a week, and you're going to do it for a season because it's a company or you've just had children, and these things happen. It's a short season, get it done. And God even shows us in the book of Joshua where he had the Israelites march for seven days, every single day for seven days. I don't know how you can march for seven days and somehow still honor the Sabbath. God even says there are going to be seasons where you're going to have to do a little bit of hard work, a little bit extended, but keep it short. But we've got to rest. When we are tired, we'll slip into the slushy. It's when we're tired and we're snappy with our wives and we don't honor our spouse and all of a sudden, oh, but the friend, the secretary's friendly with me. Well, that person's nice to me because we're giving them primary time, but our family's getting secondhand time because we're exhausted. Do your children know angry dad? Do they know frustrated mom? Or do they know rested dad and rested mom? Got to be rest. Some of you have got to work a bit harder. This is not a laziness card. Some of you... This doesn't apply. Today you get nine commandments. That's it. (laughs) Honor your father and your mother. Honor your spiritual father and your mother. Honor your physical father and mother. Honor those in authority. I want to share that with you this morning. I'm telling you, honor those in authority. There are people that are in your life, and it can be a life group leader, it can be one a church leader. They're going to speak to you. They're going to challenge you on something. They're calling you out because you're in the slushy already. You're already sliding. You don't even realize it. And sometimes you get so comfortable being in the mess, you haven't realized that you're in it. And somebody's got to call you on it. That's what leadership does. And we have to. I remember when I first got saved, I was a rebellious Christian. I haven't changed, but I just had them call me out on it so much that I knew what I was doing wrong. And I'd have the... The pastors of the church would call me in and they'd do a tag team. There'd be two of them and I suspected because it was they needed a witness in case I did something to them. And they'd, they'd challenge me and they'd speak to me and I'd walk out of those meetings frustrated. I'd walk out. I'm done. I've had it. They can take their church. They can, mm, I'm had, I walk out. I get home. I'm done with church. 
I share with Heidi, I go, I'm, I'm just, I've had it. I go sit with Jesus, and Jesus goes, they were right. <laughs> no, Lord, they get behind me. Satan! Then the Lord starts working in my heart. Because often God will use men to open the lid, and then God pours in. If you, if you learn to honor those in authority, allow people to call you out of the slushy. I hated those meetings. And I knew when I was in for one of those meetings because they'd phone me. If it was just a, a text message, it's fine. But when they'd phone me, Derek, we'd like to have a meeting with you. Oh. And I'd go, and I felt like that dumb sheep. I was just free dumb. Because I can do what I want and I can say what I want. Why can't I get away with what I want? It's because it impacts those around us. God had to get the Egypt out of me so that I'd live free out of Egypt. I needed leaders in my life. You're going to have more leaders in your life. They're going to call things out. And if you're willing to say, I don't like that, but it's true. I want to grow. You stay out of the slushy. Next one. You shall not murder. Oh. Don't know what to do with that one. What are we killing with our speech? What do we prophesy over our lives? Our kid messes up at school. Oh, you're dumb, you failed. What do we speak over our spouse? You've let me down. Why do you always disappoint me? What do we speak over ourselves? Oh, I'm just a stupid idiot. Oh, I always mess up. I'm dumb, I'm lazy, I'm, clumsy. I'm just clumsy. We prophesy. It's called vomit. Vomit. We vomit over ourselves. We kill our, we kill our destinies. We kill, our, we kill the purposes of God. And I have no doubt I've shared this because Angela appears to Zechariah, the father of John. Says to him, you're going to have a son. Your wife Elizabeth. John goes, how can this be? And the angel says to John, I stand in the presence of God Almighty. You will not speak until the child is born. Why? Because John would have spoken death over the promise of God. John would have murdered his unborn child by speaking death over the situation. We kill the promises of God over our lives because we keep speaking against it. The promises that God has made over you, prophecies that have been spoken over you, you go, well, I don't think that will ever be fulfilled. You're killing your destiny. You're killing it. I'll never be married. You're killing the destiny. I'm always sick. What are you calling into your life? If you say, oh, I'm always, and I don't speak this over me, and a demon and no spirit of infirmity can attach itself to me, but you go, oh, I'm always sick, the demon of infirmity. Whoa, what was that? You, you what? Oh, I'm always sick. Well, thank you. I have a bad memory. I have the mind of Christ. I remember stuff I haven't even learned before. I'm a faithful husband. I'm an honest businessman. I'm an extraordinary dad. I'm the best preacher I've ever heard. Are we killing something of our destiny? Because we don't know how to zip it. Are we killing our futures? Are we killing our relationships? Are we killing our children's destiny? Because we just speak junk. Stop murdering. You're pushing yourself into the slushy. You shall not commit adultery. Duh. The law says do not commit adultery. Jesus says don't lust. Law says don't do the deed. Grace says don't think about the deed. Law says don't murder. Jesus says don't get angry. I'm like, come on, Jesus, I could do the not murdering. I can do the not adultery. But my thought life, I don't like that. But how much time are we thinking about being in the slushy? I want to go dabble with this. I want to go dabble with that. I want to go play. Just, ooh, look at him. Look at her. Just, what am I watching? What am I playing with? Just, what are we dabbling with in the slushy? Do I need to elaborate on this one? The kids over here, I don't know. 
Do I have to elaborate? Do I have to speak more about how we need to control our thought life when it comes to sexual purity? Because it's going to start off with a thought, then it's going to start off with an action, and it's going to get out of hand? Do, do, do we have to go back? That's not slushy. Then I'm in the barrier. Then I'm in the ditch. There, there's no gray area in that. Stop it. Stop it. Oh, we just, just, I just, now and then I'll go and watch. Because what happens is you're perverting what God has made beautiful within a marriage. There is no sexual relationship that God recognizes as being pure outside of a heterosexual marriage. You don't need to clap, it's God's word. Whatever else you dabble in, it's out of bounds. I'm going to leave that with you. However, we cannot for a moment think that I can go and chat and hang out and be friends. I've had my wife call me on this. There's no reason for a woman to speak to you. It's my mom. No, she's not that bad. (laughs) Well, that's a bit extreme. And uh, if you come and chat to me after the service and you're a lady, it's fine. But if I, if I send a lady a message, she'll say, why? Why? Well, she runs that ministry. Mm-hmm. Trust me. I've never been unfaithful to her. I've done everything else. Never been unfaithful to my wife. Because she knows that that, that journey starts with a message. Starts with a conversation. Starts with a coffee and a chat and a shoulder to cry on. Don't let it happen. Oh, my best friend. Uh-uh. Moving along. You shall not steal. You shall not steal. You shall tithe. Like, oh no, we wanted to do the don't go into the store and take the stuff. Now, country I'm from. Your self-checkout system, that store's bankrupt in a week. We, just, just saying, we, we, we have cashiers who every cashier has somebody packing the stuff to make sure that you're not in cahoots with a cashier. And then the packer, once they've packed your goods in the plastic bag, you then go out the store, they scan your, your slip, your receipt, they scan it, and then they scan the products in your trolley to make sure that it, it lines up. There is a, this is in small stores. What you have is phenomenal. I love the honesty. I love that. I'm not talking about that. If I was in South Africa, I'd be talking about that. How, Malachi 3. People say to God, how do we rob you? And God says, with your tithes and your giving. Are you tithing? You see, it, it happens one month. Budget's tight, so I just, I just don't tithe. I just I hold that back. Just, just one month. Just one month. My friend, you're in the slushy. Two months, you have four wheels in the slushy. Month number three, you're off the road. The tires have burst, and you don't have money to replace them. That's how it works. Stop stealing from God. If this is your church, this is where you tithe. If you're watching us today, this is where you tithe. The media guys will have the banking details on a bit later. You give, you give generously, you give every time you get paid, you give with a cheerful heart, and then you're not considered a thief. Not, wow, I'm a tither. Doors will now open for me. No, no, you've blessed your soil. That's all you've done. Beyond that, you put seed in the soil and you sow and you're generous. It's how it, we just bless the soil with 10%. It's the rest that we go and we get ridiculous and we get kind and we bless people. That's how we stop stealing. Stay out of the slushy, friends. It's dangerous. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. I want to rather change it for the purpose of this message. Do not bear false witness about Jesus to your neighbor. Allow Jesus to be, sh- be poured into you and out to your neighbors that your neighbors will see. Your neighbors will see a true witness of a follower of Jesus. 
We hit slushy ground when we stop being witnesses to the king because we stop living out our great commission. Our purpose wanes. You shall not covet. I want that person's ministry. I want that person's anointing. I want that person's gifting. I want that person's talent. I want that person's anything. You're dishonoring God. God has placed something in you. He's created something for you to do. There's a plan. There's a purpose for every single one of you. Do not look across the fence to see what the other person is doing. You're not them. They are not you. I barely have enough energy to do what God has called me to do. I don't want to have to do what you've got to do as well. So if you're willing to go do what you have to do, I don't have to do what you have to do. There are people that you have access to. There are friends that you get to chat to. You're going to start inviting them to church. We're going to start developing this culture. You're going to be a wonderful witness of Jesus Christ to them. And you're going to accept, this is my gifting. This is my talent. Because we're all going to share in the reward anyway. That's how it works. Stop coveting what the other persons do. I honestly wish I could sing nicely. I do. My, my family, they have beautiful voices. My voice, this is a preacher's voice. That's what I do. See what it does there. Yeah. I don't covet what they do, and I've told them not to covet what I do. I stay in my lane, and I do what I'm called to do. You stay in your lane, you do what you're called to do, and that way we'll see his kingdom come. That's the plan. And then the last one. You shall, know, you shall have no other gods before me. Is he your God? Has he got your attention? Has he got your everything? Has he, has he got your time? Has he, has he got your commitment? Has he got your, not church. It's great that you're here, I love that. Has, has he got your everything? Are you growing? I, I love Jesus. I, I'm going to be honest with you this morning. I'm standing at the back there and I'm feeling these emotions. I'm like, oh my gosh, Jesus is breaking my heart for Dayspring in a ridiculous way. It's just ridiculous. I'm standing out there. I love these people so much. I love this place so much. I can't believe I love this place on this level. It's because I love Jesus. You cannot love the head and not love the body. If you're battling to love the body, there's a good chance you're falling out of love with the head. If church is an issue, I get it, church, it's difficult, this is family, we cannot choose it, and it's tough, and it's rough, and people say things, and do things, and behave, and it's wild. But is he your God? Is Jesus, is Jesus your Savior? Is he your Lord and Savior? Not just the, the guy that you pray to when there's a problem, but is he the one that you submit to, bow to, love, worship, with every single thing in you? Because there is no one else, there is nothing else. I would lay down my life if I ever stood before a firing squad and I had to watch my family be executed because I smile and go, I'll see you later with my king. Oh, yes, I'll do it. But then there's a prayer meeting and no one rocks up. I'll die for you, Jesus. But, but Jesus, it's... It's 18 degrees. How do you expect me to go to a prayer meeting? Zero shame, zero condemnation. But I'm asking you, to what extent are we sold out to Jesus being our king? Are you born again? I don't want you to answer. If you're not born again, you need to give your life to Jesus. You need to surrender your life to him, submit to him through having faith. I'm not going to give you proof and evidence. The Bible has been established. It's done. It's dusted. The Bible is true. The Bible is real. They've been trying to destroy this for thousands of years. They haven't got it right. You're not going to get it right either. It's been settled. Jesus Christ is who he, who he says he is, who he was, is who he is today. God is eternal. Jesus Christ is God. Holy Spirit is with us. That's the doctrine. Jesus died. He saves. His blood redeems. Everything that we need is in the atonement, and it's available to you if you receive him and make him Lord. And there is no other way. There is no other way. And when we believe that, we will tell every single person. Because if we believe that hell is as dreadful as it actually is, we wouldn't let anybody go past us in our day without telling them about Jesus Christ. We wouldn't have a single family member. I don't care if they're offended. I don't care if they're upset. Oh, you're a Jesus freak. Well, you're going to hell. We're not going to invite you to dinner. Well, you're going to be in a barbecue. Because when he's got you, mm, I want no one else to have me. And when you've got him, there's nothing else that you'll ever want. Stop keeping Jesus, not religion, Jesus, the best kept secret. 
Yes, I hear that. This is such a religious area. This is such a, I don't care about religion. Don't have an appetite for it. Never ever did. Never ever will. I have an appetite for Jesus Christ and the fullness of the Holy Spirit being released and poured out and seeing radical encounters take place. Because Jesus is my God. There is no other God. There is no one else that I'll serve. There's no one else that has my affection, my attention, or will ever have my eternity. Is he your God? Let's pray. While eyes are closed and heads are bowed, I want to do it a bit more solemn this morning. Friend, if you're sitting here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I cannot preach, I will never preach without giving an opportunity for you to receive the gift of our Heavenly Father, and that is Jesus Christ, His Son, who He destroyed for you, because of you. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I don't care if your family's with you, you should not either. One day you will stand before Him. There's going to be two responses. Depart from me, I have no idea who you are, or welcome into my kingdom. If you're sitting here this morning and you've never received the gift of Jesus Christ, I want you to put up your hand. I want you to look me now. I want you to put up your hand and wave at me. To wave at me. I want it to be obvious. I want you to wave at me that I can see you waving at me. I don't see any hands up. Perhaps you're joining us online. And in this moment, you can sense that feeling, your heart's racing, there's something happening as the Holy Spirit is calling you into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's where you're sitting now. I, I'm not watching any of you respond, and I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that as long as you're fine with Him. But what I want to do is, can we pray, just what, with your eyes closed, can we pray this together? Can we pray this together? I'm going to lead us in prayer as though we have a room full of unsaved family and friends, that we have a room of everyone that we've invited to church over the years. They're going to come to church. They're going to hear the gospel. They're going to respond. And in this moment, they're going to put up their hands. Can we pray in this moment as if the room is full of those people, and we're going to pray alongside them? Can we do that? So pray this after me, every single one of you, and if you're joining us online, pray this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. I thank you for paying the price for my sins. I repent of everything I've done wrong. And I give you my life. I give you my eternity. I give you my now. And I surrender to you. I confess with my mouth because I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ, you are Lord. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. I pray, Holy Spirit, fill me, baptize me, make me new in Jesus' name. I claim every promise that the Bible has for me, right now, in Jesus' name, amen. Now I want you to do this, I want you to clap, and I want you to, not for the preacher, clap and cheer for those that are going to get saved into the future. It's a, it's a prophetic act, it's a declaration of what Jesus is going to be doing, because it says that when in, someone comes to know Christ, heaven celebrates. So if we're going to want heaven on earth, we're going to respond to situations on earth the way heaven does. You have your little miracle meals. Can I tell you the significance of this? What difference could one little bite really make? 
What difference could one little bite really make in our lives or in our eternity? One little bite, what could it possibly do? Well, it was one little bite that Eve took, and it changed everything radically. As we take a bite of this, it's the, it represents the body of Jesus Christ, the body that is broken that allows us to have access, full access, not just to the Father, to Jesus. If you wouldn't mind just breaking the little crack, just the little wafer, just breaking it. Just breaking it. His body was broken for us. And in this moment, his body was broken so that it would never have to be broken again, and our bodies get to be made whole in him. If there's a body part of yours from head, whether it's depression, anxiety, tension, and stress, down to the base of your feet, your bunions. And you need your body to be made whole. In the moment as we eat this, it's not faith in this, it's faith in the promise. And this is how faithful he is. He's shown us already. It's been paid for. As, as we eat this, I, I have, my children have some crazy stuff that they're encountering. As we eat this, I, I pray Jesus heal them. Jesus, heal them. Hearing, if you have kidney problems, if you have heart problems, problems just with your full adrenal system, in this, as we eat this, Jesus, bring healing. I receive it. I receive. As your mouth receives this way, I receive it. I receive Jesus. I receive your promise. Free to be healed. Come, Holy Spirit. And as we have the juice, I'm sin free. My sins have been washed away. I love the fact is the word says that our sins are as crimsons, red. And if you've got something red and you put a whole lot of red blood over it, you no longer see that because it's the blood that you see. And when God looks at us, he sees the blood of Jesus that covers us and it covers us and we're standing guilt-free, shameless, and we stand before him. But this is what I want to pray over us. Lord, every person that needs to have an encounter with you so that your blood can wash them clean and make them new, we speak, Lord, let them walk through those doors and come and have an encounter in this church. Lord, I pray that every one of us, will, as we carry your blood, as we carry what you've given us, freely we've received, so freely we're going to go and give. We're going to speak about the gospel. We're going to see a shift in our lives. But we thank you for your blood, for washing us. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we live, we're no longer under the law, that you have fulfilled the law. You have fulfilled every part of it. And Lord, what has been shared this morning is not rules for life. But Lord, we don't want to play in the slushy. We don't want to play in the dark gray areas that will lead us into chaos. But we want to pursue the kingdom, seek your kingdom, live in your kingdom. So that can we, live, we can live lives where we live from a kingdom perspective because we see from a kingdom perspective. I pray that in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> yes, Jesus. I don't know if you felt that hunger just